The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Go, Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Thursday, January 13th, 2022, Season 17, Episode number 97. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We've got a lot to get into. We're getting you guys ready for Cowboys versus 49ers. That happens this Sunday, 3.30 p.m. at AT&T Stadium. We'll be joined in a little bit in the second segment by Bucky Brooks of NFL Network. He'll help us break down the San Francisco defense versus the Dallas offense. But let's get this thing started. Nick, give me a 97. Let's get this thing started. Taco. Right. <laughs> no, Leroy Glover. Leroy Please Glover. don't do that. Leroy Glover was a great football player. He, can't, he, he was. Yeah, I mean, he. I think he was the first guy to have four straight Pro Bowls in his first four years. Zach Martin has since done that, but it, it, he was an outstanding player on some bad teams. I'm kind of surprised he doesn't get more, doesn't get at least to being a finalist for the Hall of Fame. He was one of those players yeah. who was so good, and he was so okay. underrated. He was. And he was on bad teams at the Cowboys. I assume – I don't know what what the the uh, Saints were like while he was there. But Leroy Gl- – uh, that stung. That I hated, the, I hated the Cowboys for because that. Because of that? Yeah. He was – one of the Saints' best players at a time when, I mean, they had the Dome Patrol, obviously, but they were always second fiddle to the Niners, those teams. They weren't, they never like commanded their division. And so, like, late 90s, early 2000s was like the first taste of the Saints being like a playoff type team. Yeah. And Leroy left in free agency. And I think it was like the first time the Saints had a player that anybody else wanted. And I just, I was probably like 12 and I just like, damn Cowboys. <laughs> He used to piss off the TV cameras, too, because he would sit in his locker, and we'd go to, to interview him, a couple of writers, and then the cameras you know, would show up late and uh, yeah. after you do the work, and then he had this big <laughs> dip in his mouth, and he'd be like, no cameras, just just you know, writers only. And they were, like, they were getting pissed about it. It was like, because he had this big dip, didn't want to show it. It's so my kind of guy. Yeah, it's like, Screw the I, TV people. Just, yeah, it, didn't, it didn't matter if we're doing it. You know, he's like, well, they're a good team. That doesn't matter. So we, you know. You don't, put, you don't translate that. He was such a good player. I mean, and that's the other thing about it. Sometimes when you talk about interior defensive linemen, they don't get all the shine. But that guy was a really, a good really player. good player. And you could see it on a bad team, which yeah. is sometimes even harder to do. But he was really, really a good player. Yeah. All right, Nick, I want to also take a little moment. And I'll Amber and, and Dave, I'm not sure if you guys have any, but I'll open it up to you if you, if you do. Uh, but I'd like to start the show off today getting just some memories of Cowboys 49ers. Because there are – this is one of the the most storied rivalries probably in the NFL. Um, and Nick, I know because I've I've had some conversations with you. Mm-hmm. You have lots of memories from that. Uh, but let's let's just kind of see if you have some. And if you guys have some, by the by by all means, jump in. Well, my favorite play of all time is in this series. My, I mean, and we're going to do a video here in a little bit about my favorite moments from the Cowboys 49ers. But Alvin Harper catch to me was the play. It was it was it's my favorite play of all time because that is what the catch was for the 49ers was what that was for the Cowboys. It kind of propelled them for the entire dynasty. And it was more of a, you know, yeah, nice comeback, crowds into it, four minutes to go. We've been in these games. We've seen them. We're like, how do you get 
rid of this four minutes. You're going to run the ball. They're going to call timeouts. You're going to punt and all that. No, they just said, we're going to throw it over to Alvin Harper, and he's going to break away, and we're going to win this thing right here, right now. It was a mentality that they had with Jimmy Johnson. That right there, there's a lot of great ones. I got more, but that play right there symbolized more than just the play symbolized kind of what they were about to be and taking control over the dynasty there uh, from the Niners. I let Nick have the shine there. Like, I mean, my, my answers just aren't going to be that good. I really, I'm old enough to remember that stretch of time, but not vividly, especially I wasn't a Cowboy fan so I, or a 49er fan, so I wasn't invested in it. But I just remember those two teams they were, just, they were just always on. Like you were just always aware that that was a big deal, and like the winner was probably going to win the Super Bowl. For me, my most vivid Cowboys Niners memory, other than games I've actually covered, is again probably I don't know thirteen or fourteen watching whatever Saints game was happening that day. And you know that Jim Brown does the break in. Yeah. He's like, "Let's see what's going on in Dallas." To's standing on the star, and you're like, "Okay, okay, that's interesting." Like. What the hell? And then they, they're long. like, and then you're like, JB, something else is happening in Dallas. Let's cut away from the Saints, right? Oh my god, like Emmett Smith, TO's doing it. Like I vividly remember that it was like they just kept yeah. cutting into that game, and like Dallas wasn't good that year, no, right? No. And so you didn't really have a reason to be paying attention to it until all of that started, ha- and it was like riveting. And by the time George Teague finally hit him, I feel like I was more interested in that than whatever the Saints were doing. Yeah, that was that kind of game, and, and to be honest with you, that was probably my most vivid memory of Cowboys 49ers as well just because of the craziness of the game again this was not a good team that year uh, but the way that game transpired it just it there there was just all these moments where it was kind of like T.O. goes to the star then Emmett goes to the star then it T.O. goes to the star again it was just kind of kept going and it was like okay this is probably the most excitement we're going to see all season so let's just <laughs> lean into it that's, and have some fun that's with a it. very unique NFL thing because I mean, it sucks, but like the way that they still broadcast the league is so outdated. You know, like if unless you have NFL package, you're you get two games, yeah. even in 2022, which is insane. Mm-hmm. But um, but every now and then you'll have a moment like that where there's like drama playing out in the other game, and they're like, "Let's get you back to to Texas Stadium where <laughs> all hell has broken right. loose." You know, <laughs> right? So we had a game, and it turned into something else. Yeah, you know, I. I I never, no one's ever really said this, and I asked Tio this, and he kind of just smiled or didn't really answer it. But I always believe that he did that because he recent, right before that, had filmed the movie Any Given Sunday, which mm-hmm. was filmed at the stadium, yep. and at he Texas was on stadium. the other team. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I think he did that in the middle of the movie, or you know, like a play or something like that. So I think. You know, he'd just been there and he'd done that. I think that was part of it, too. Yeah. I asked him once, yeah, and he didn't really answer. Yeah. He was just kind of like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, obviously it was perceived as much more than that. And it's you've seen it over the years. It's continued to play out, you know, teams that go out to the logo of the other team on the 50 and during their warm-up and they're jumping around on it. And yeah. it turns into this whole level of disrespect that then they feel like they have to – you know, do something to <laughs> to show it. I mean, it's just like it has become a thing. And I don't know if before that I'd really seen it be a thing, but it certainly became a thing that day. What's yours? Oh, I'm not that old. Sorry. What? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jeff Heath kicking a field all goal. All true and all fair. No, Jeff, no, right? no. To be, to be honest, <laughs> and this is going to sound ridiculous, but I am just now, this week, finding out how big 
this game is as far as like rivalry mm -hmm. and this being a classic game and going back to those times like to me the times that I've been working here and covering this team the 49ers have never been like such a big deal you know you yeah. you talk about the opponent mm -hmm. the week you're playing them and all that but never like this I, I didn't know that there was this kind of history mm -hmm. behind the Cowboys and 49ers Which, and don't let anybody call you silly for that by the way because I mean if you've been a fan of the game for years and years, you know. But um, but I mean, I've worked here since thirteen, and so we they played here in fourteen. We've been out to Levi's a bunch. Like I've lost track of it all. And they even at one of those games, I think I think the Cowboys kicked their ass because they've the last few times they've gone out there, the 49ers haven't been a very good team. But they honored Dwight Clark at halftime of one of those games. It was when he was still alive, yeah. and. Uh, I remember kind of not being surprised, but I was like, oh, yeah, like, I guess this did used to be a big deal because even the four or five times that they've played in the regular season while I've been here, it hasn't felt like that to yeah. me. Like, it hasn't been like, oh, it's Niners week. So it's been very fun to have all of this kind of rekindled this week and have everybody sharing all of these memories. And, you know, that's the thing, too. You think about this 49ers matchup. Like, even recently, when there hasn't been as much consequence to the game, there's still drama. Like, you think about Jesse Holly's game. Oh, yeah. Like, that, we did a documentary on mm -hmm. Jesse Holly, and, and it was all built around that game because there was so much in that game for him that was, um, you know, kind of the, the, this crowning moment. Uh, obviously, he makes the game-winning play um, in overtime. And so it's there have been those kind of moments. It's that kind of drama that tends to happen when these two teams match up. And uh, and there's history that goes back even before the 90s. Yeah. Uh, they, obviously, the catch that we talked about. So I, there's, there's so makes, many dramatic games. It makes games. me wonder, because we know there are a lot of young players here on the roster. So it makes me wonder, when you have older coaches, people like Dan Quinn, he mentioned that, how big this game is and all that. People that know the history, that are passionate about it, that want to go out there and compete with everything. Like, how do they transmit that kind of passion and message to the younger players and get them pumped up the same type of... I mean, they're going to be pumped either way. Yeah. They're going to go out there and play a playoff game. But, you know, just... It, I'm curious to see what those meetings look like and what kind of, like, fiery message they... I Tell think it them. matters. I think that does matter. Even though they, they don't know it, I think that they just kind of understand how big the moment is. It's bigger than they even thought, you know, and, and we'll see if they rise to it. But Dave, Dave said something about, you know, just you always knew that these two teams were good and all that. I, I wrote this in the mailbag this morning on a question like that. The greatest line ever said to me, I mean, ever said was was in um, about this rivalry was Pat Summerall in an open for the 94 game. 94 NFC Championship. They played in 92, 93. Here they are again. And that was when the Pro Bowl was after. Um, I think they had 12 and 13 players each team. And he says at the end of this whole intro, he says, he says, in two weeks, the Super Bowl will be played. After that, the Pro Bowl. Today, we'll play both. And I just thought that yeah. that right there That's was good. awesome because it's like it pretty is, yeah. and it was the Super Bowl. The Chargers weren't going to beat any of those. Oh yeah, games. for those years, it was everybody knew the NFC Championship game was the Super yeah. Bowl for those years. I thought it was cool. Troy Troy talks to thirteen ten the ticket here every week. He's yeah. done that forever, and they asked him about being part of that. And it was cool how candid he was because, uh, I mean, he went through the whole stretch of all of those years, and he was like, "Yeah, I mean." 
It definitely hurt because we knew that we would have treated San Diego the same way they did. Like we we would have won that game. There's no question about it. it. Just it just speaks to the level that those two teams were on. He said that they would win four straight because they you know they didn't win that year, but they came back and and I don't know that it's true. I mean because I don't know if if Jerry breaks the bank for Dion after mm. that because they you know I don't does, so if you don't have Dion that fourth year maybe I don't, you don't know win you know maybe I mean does does he go kind of all in in 95 if he won three in a row did they yeah. lose more guys it's hard to say but yeah. they certainly would have competed for yeah. it but yeah it's kind of thing we talk and, about with games all the time like one thing kind of precipitates another so you can't really say good no no what no I was just saying Finish you can't really point. say what it's gonna be yeah uh, if if those sure. things don't happen before that right I just he said another really interesting thing to me which was that he said Losing the 94 game, which like any Cowboy fan that remembers that game, it's like they go to a different place when you bring it up. Like it without fail. See, Nick, (laughs) it hurts. Every fan I've ever talked to who remembers that game, they just their eyes, they just go to a dark place. I was in freshman college and man, that, that. I mean, crying wouldn't have helped, but but yeah. I could have. But Troy, so Troy said something that I thought was interesting. Is like he was like that. That's one of the proudest feelings I've ever had. Yeah, leaving a football field, and I got it when he explained it. It made a lot of sense. He was like, you know, by then we had just become associated with dominance. Like you know, we killed the Bills in two Super Bowls. And like every time we play a big game, we just show up and kick ass. And for us to get down big like that and look vulnerable and not look our best and still fight back, he was like, I was proud to show America like what we were really about, that like we wouldn't go down without a fight or whatever. I have two rewind moments in my in my life for the Cowboys. Two that I would just want to rewind and replay it and see what happens. One of them is 2014 in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they would have won, but I just would have liked to have seen a touchdown there. See if they Just go for two. Happens, yeah. See what Rodgers does. We're talking, obviously, the Des game. Then the other one is the 94 game. I think Deion Sanders definitely had a pass interference on Irvin. They call that at the five. They're going to go score. It's going to be 38-35 with five minutes to go. I want to see that because I think they could have stopped them in one. You know, and that's, How do you remember all that? Five well, minutes ago, there are the 35. Uh, like, oh, my God. <laughs> because I just rose my hand like that one, in, that one hurts. Those moments <laughs> those moments burn into your brain. Yeah. They really do. Everyone's yeah. got a moment like that, and, and, and you're right. I mean, you, you, you went two straight. This is the game, and it's they're down 21 to nothing before you can even get – get through the first beer i mean it was 21 nothing yep you know what and not to go too off the rails i'm sure you want to take a break i've been thinking about this all week though because it got like this is what i said when they hired mccarthy obviously right now in this moment their goal is to win the super bowl it will be very disappointing if they don't win this game all that good stuff but like that is the goal when you hire Mike McCarthy, I said it then is like year after year being in the playoffs, like, ah, oh, 93 was great, but 94 was heartbreaking. Whereas around here recently, it's been more like, well, it's been three years since they've been in the playoffs. Like, I hope these guys remember what it takes. Like, that's what needs to change. Like, they need yeah. to success for Mike McCarthy is getting back to a standard of like every year you're in the playoffs. And sometimes it's going to go really well and sometimes it's not, but you're there every year. And you know something that's interesting? I actually was thinking about this this morning. I don't know how many fans out there started to see this word victory that's on a lot of the stuff that we do. And it came actually from Coach McCarthy. It's something he's been preaching to the team all season. He's been talking about this word victory. And for the first time, it kind of hit me 
he basically took away their safety net. You know, you you have a lot of think back to when when Garrett was here. He talked about what's important is the process. What's important is the fight. Like it's all these things that that you can control, right? And and so, but it does leave that that little gray area that even if you don't win, you should be happy for the fight. You should be happy for the process. If you do those things, that's enough. I think Mike McCarthy took away that safety net. There is nothing else other than victory. There is nothing else other than winning. That's a really scary way to kind of put everything because that means you either are successful or not, and it's all dependent on, at the end of the day, did you get the W? And and that's a, that's a pretty bold thing to do, and it also can be a very scary thing to do, but it goes to what Dave's talking about, standards, yeah. being a coach and creating the standard of, our standard is not necessarily just the process. Yeah, we want you to do the same things and be good at doing the same things and preparing, but at the end of the day, you're judged by did you win or did you lose? There is no moral victory. You either won or you didn't. And I think that I know. I think that to me is one of the things I look at. I'm like, that's kind of that tells you a little bit about his mentality and what he wants, how he wants his team to think. That's a little bit different than maybe the previous regime. Yeah. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Bucky Brooks of NFL Network. We're going to talk about uh, this San Francisco uh, defense versus the Cowboys offense. We'll be right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. At AT AT&T, everyone, new and existing customers, get our best deals on every smartphone. Why? Because you deserve it. For turning your living room into your office and your gym. For teaching grandma how to video call and teaching her again. It's the button on your left, Nana. Okay, your other left. It's not complicated. Everyone deserves something new. So AT&T has given everyone, new and existing customers, our best deals with every unlimited plan on every smartphone, even the latest ones. AT&T may temporarily slow data speeds if the network is busy. Restrictions and exceptions may apply. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with... And I'm Jay Novacek, and we're both with... United United Ag and Turf. Turf. The official tractor provider of the Dallas Cowboys. So, if you need a tractor to bale some hay, a mower to cut some grass, or a gator to get some chores done, get a John Deere at United Ag and Turf. And then, let's get to work. Hey, Jay, that's my line. (laughs) Well, not today. Get to work with a John Deere tractor package that's just right for you and your budget. Visit UnitedAgandTurf.com. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbent attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him, it projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys, and Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys. New Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. You deserve it. I do deserve that. You deserve decadent flavor without sugar. And a day at the beach without sand getting everywhere. And a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt. I deserve all that? It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't. A visual metaphor on the radio. I do deserve that. Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you deserve is finally here. Back to the break. Be the first to receive new offers, event information, and more when you sign up to receive text messages from the team. Text Cowboys to NFL DAL. That's 635 325. Message and date rates may apply. Welcome back. It is the second segment of the Break Life in the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We are joined right now by our guy, Bucky Brooks of NFL Network. Bucky, let's start. Let's talk about the San Francisco defense. Um, first of all, tell me what is it that they do best and where are they most vulnerable? 
the thing that they do well is they dominate at the point of attack. Uh, they are a team that has always put their um, premium and invested in the defensive line, and the defensive line allows them to control the game. Uh, the most notable guy is Nick Bosa. He has 15 and a half sacks coming off an ACL, which is remarkable. Uh, but he's joined by two guys on the inside, Eric Armstead, uh, who's done a great job with, I think, six and a half sacks. And then you have Arden Key, who's a situational pass rusher that has given them some help. So this is a team that wants to rush forward. They want to drop seven, and they believe that they can whip you up front um, with their D-line, and then they can protect the back end in coverage. Their secondary is their weakest part, but a lot of times you can't get to attack the back end because Nick Bolson and company are knocking you around and making you leave the pocket before you can really attack. Bucky, how we talked yesterday about the running game. It, their de, the, the 49ers' defense, is it good because of those guys you said, or are they even better when their offense is actually running the ball, getting the clock, and, and, and kind of controlling the game and allowing them to kind of take advantage of that? Yeah, it's a, it's a complimentary approach. I mean, they're good. I wouldn't say that they're necessarily like top five good on their own accord. I would say that it's the way that they play uh, that helps them. When you're running the ball, and the 49ers have done this in a couple of games where the first drive is 15 plays, they make you punt, then they get it, and they go another 15 plays. And before you know it, you're, I mean, midway in the second quarter, you have no rhythm of field on offense, and you're chasing points. And so that allows them to play the kind of style of defense that they want to play because they want to rush the pass. They don't really want to have to go straight up and deal with the running game and stuff like that. And so as much as we talked about the 49ers running game making opponents um, wince and, and fear them, they also don't want to face a steady diet of run because that's not necessarily what they're built for. They're built to rush the pass. Bucky, speaking of which, you just talked about him. Imagine my surprise when I turn on this tape and my old friend from LSU, Arden Key, is not just playing well for them, but doing it at a new position. Like It seems like they use him a lot as a D-tackle. Just what I mean, what have they found in this guy, and, and how much of a problem is that for, for the interior linemen on the Cowboys? Well, one day I won the best D-line coaches in football, and Chris Kasher, and he has unlocked Arden Key. Arden Key has found a home by playing on the inside, and their team that uses a lot of movement at the line of scrimmage, uh, slamming, stunning, getting them on the move, like right as the ball goes, jumping in gaps. I mean, he's killed it. I and mean, you're seeing when you put a defensive in, a guy who's a natural 240-pounder on the inside, he's working the edges of the offensive line. So he wins with quickness um, and hand skills as opposed to, like, sheer strength and power. And it's working for them. And if they get you in those situations where they're able to unleash him and he doesn't have to worry about the run, well, then it becomes a problem. And so you see an Arden Key kind of playing the way that maybe some imagine him being a disruptive force He's just doing it at a different position. Man, I I don't really even know what to ask because I feel like every week it's like, okay, we always have one more week. But then this week it's like, this is it. It, it, They're all in with this. So I guess what I want to ask you, Bucky, is uh, after seeing the way that they played last week, even though it was with an opponent that didn't have many of their, their starters or anything like that, what are some of the things that you think that the Cowboys uh, might still struggle with despite of the kind of performance they put out last week? Uh, this game comes down to the offensive line. It comes down to how well they play at the point of attack. It's Aaron Smith, Leo Collins, Zach, Martin, Tyron Bettis, and Connor Williams play well, then the Cowboys win. 
if they have any problems, then it's going to be a long day. And that's just what it comes down to. And so it's the ability to control the guys up front. And if you can do that and slow down Bosa and Armstead and contain Fred Warner and those guys at the second level, then you, you dominate the game and you do it the way that you've done it for most of the season. But if you have issues and it cracks uh, up front, it's going to make it very uncomfortable because you won't be able to run the football and then Dak will have to maybe do too much in terms of like having to make more plays because I wouldn't want to see him have to throw it 40 plus times, even though he's more than capable of being able to do that. That's not the game that the Cowboys should want to be able to get into in the postseason. So it's all about the trenches. Whoever wins the trenches ultimately is going to win the game. Bucky, I'm going to ask you a bigger picture question. We actually got this question from one of our listeners, Colin Brennan. Uh, He says, he asked, uh, what areas on offense and defense does Dallas have the advantage over San Francisco? Because I think all week, listening to our show and listening to a lot of media, everybody's like, man, this is a tough matchup for Dallas. Where is it a tough matchup for San Francisco? I mean, defending the Cowboys. I mean, let's be honest. Like, the star power is real. And if, if we do play these narratives in the media, like, oh, you never want to face the Niners. They're the hottest team. But look, they got seven losses on their legend. So they have issues, too. And the big thing with the Niners is you have to make sure that you attack. And what you want to do is you want to play from in front and put the game on Jimmy Garoppolo. So the advantage is for the Cowboys, quarterback, uh, wide receiver, even though Debo Samuels is legit, the wide receivers still go that way. Uh, the offensive line, I would say, is almost a bit of a push, depending upon like which version of Trent Williams comes back, because he's played at a great level. Uh, the defensive line, I would say it's fairly even linebackers. I mean, it's kind of even the defensive backs would go to the Cowboys. And so it's kind of an even matchup, but really it's style. It's who's able to impose their style early in the game and make the game be played out a certain way. If the Cowboys jump in front and are able to play the game from in front, then it's it's an easier game for them. If it's one of those games where the Niners shorten the game and they run it, then it becomes an all-day affair. But now it's, we have overblown it and made it where the, the 49ers are the 49ers from the 90s and they're not that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that being said about playing in, in the lead, uh, when when the referee announces before the kickoff that the Cowboys have won the toss, what's your decision? What do you think it should be? Well, I'm always, I always want to defer because the reason why I want to defer is because at the end of halves, there's what we call a double score opportunity, right? So if you score – at the end of the half, and then you get the ball back, you get a chance to really separate and explode from the opponent. So I would rather play it that way, even though I understand what you're saying. If you feel like your offense is that uh, potent, that you want to go ahead and jump on them, I still would opt for that, even though I know if the Niners get the opening kick, they're going to sit on the ball now. I mean, it's going to be like watching Wisconsin play basketball. It's half court. <laughs> it's the clog. I mean, it's the clog draining and all that. So that's why it's going to be really important for them to jump on the running game early and get them out of that. Because if you can force Jimmy Garoppolo to pass, I would say more than 27 times, the Cowboys win. He's not going to throw that much and be effective. Do you think that they, I mean, if if they try this, because it seems like there should be a lot of plays to be made against their secondary. Do you trust the Dallas offensive line to keep Dak on his feet in long enough to take advantage of that, basically? Uh, I would say they can do that, but I say the ball needs to come out quick. 
I say I would say that looking at how they want to play because they want to drop seven in coverage. Uh, they're not necessarily a Tampa two or a cover two team. They kind of play single high safety or uh, some quarters. You want to get the ball out quickly. Let Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb. You want them to go to work on run after the catch plays. Um, you can attempt to kind of push it down the field, but you have to set those up. We saw how the Rams struggled when they just got greedy for no reason because they're going to play over the top because just like we can see it, D'Amico Ryan's knows, hey, man, my corners are not the best. Let's keep everything in front. Let's not let it fly over our head. And so you have to be patient. So it's going to take some patience, some discipline. And I heard you guys talking uh, before about the playoffs and, like, it's been three years. The people that I'm really looking at, are not the players. It's Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn and how they handle calling the game in the postseason. Kellen Moore in particular, as a young play caller, when the game is very emotional, you can deviate and leave the running game when it's not successful early. How patient is he going to be with taking a balanced approach? That might be the deciding factor in whether the Cowboys win or not. How Kellen Moore handles the playoff environment and atmosphere, having never called the game in the postseason. Hey, Bucky, real quick as a follow-up to that, how much do you put on the head coach, though? He has a lot of experience knowing that he has a young play caller. Is it his responsibility to also be able to get in Kellen's ear if he feels like he's not being patient enough and say, hey, let's remember, let's stick to our plan, let's continue to run the ball, even if it's not necessarily working? I would say this. If we're looking at the game, you guys will be there. But if you're looking at the game on TV, if you don't see Mike McCarthy doing a lot of talking, he is doing his job a disservice. This is a game where a Super Bowl-winning head coach has to put his imprint on the game. He needs to be more active, more involved in the stuff. And I'm not saying take the play card from Kellen Moore, but this game has to go according to the script that Mike McCarthy has. That's why he was hired. He was hired because he's been the one to win Super Bowls, not those other guys. He has to lead this team. And so, yeah, he has to play a bigger role in managing the game. And I know for some of us that makes us squeamish based on what we've seen, but he has won it. He needs to play and perform and make sure the game looks like a championship-level game. Bucky, and then I just want to ask you, how good is their kicker? <laughs> um, I think the thing about Robbie Gold is you kind of just know what you're getting. Um, look, he, he's, had, he's made some big kicks throughout his time. He has some misses this year. Uh, I think if we're comparing the two, he's been more consistent this year. But look, man, in the game, it's a 50-50 proposition when you're dealing with kickers of all levels. Um, so, you know, you just hope that um, Greg V is on if he's called upon to make kicks. But Roger Gold is solid, you know. And so it's just one of those things where you just hope that Greg V is on his game. If he's on his game, then you don't worry. But, man, it's squeamish because I heard you guys talking about two-point conversions or whatever yesterday. <laughs> Holy smokes. You don't, want to, you don't want to get to that. And you can't. And that's the thing because you're thinking a chance to say it. But in the playoffs, the one thing that you can't do is you cannot change. If you've done things a certain way the entire time, you cannot decide in the playoffs, oh, we're switching it up. We're more aggressive. We're going for it on fourth down if that's not our MO. You still got to play it the way that you've always played it. Because players will look around like, coach is tripping. Why is he panicking? So you just got to play it straight. Mm. If Greg needs you guys, you got to trust him. You just got to live with it. All right. Give us a prediction. What do you think is going to happen this Sunday? Uh, I think the Cowboys are going to win. I think the Cowboys are the better team. Uh, I think it has to play. I think it will be tight just because I worry about the inexperience that, um, for some of their guys, uh, Micah and Trayvon and some of those guys. But if they can get through the first quarter and the game is either even or they're up, I think they begin to separate away from them late.
All right. We appreciate that, Bucky. We will talk to you hopefully next week and as we're getting ready for round two. We'll see about that. Mm-hmm. We're going to take our final break. We'll come back. we got some questions for these guys about this Dallas offense. Uh, we'll be right back. DallasCowboys.com radio. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. At AT&T, everyone, new and existing customers, get our best deals on every smartphone. Why? Because you deserve it, for turning your living room into your office and your gym. For teaching grandma how to video call and teaching her again. It's the button on your left, Nana. Okay, your other left. It's not complicated. Everyone deserves something new. So AT&T has given everyone new and existing customers our best deals with every unlimited plan on every smartphone, even the latest ones. AT&T may temporarily slow data speeds if the network is busy. Restrictions and exceptions may apply. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with... And I'm Jay Novacek. And we're both with... United United Ag and Turf. Turf. The official tractor provider of the Dallas Cowboys. So, if you need a tractor to bale some hay, a mower to cut some grass, or a gator to get some chores done... Get a John Deere at United Ag and Turf. And then, let's get to work. Hey, Jay, that's my line. (laughs) Well, not today. Get to work with a John Deere tractor package that's just right for you and your budget. Visit UnitedAgandTurf.com. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com cowboys. Back to the break. All right, Sunday, 3.30 against the 49ers. It's time to white out the stadium at AT&T Stadium where you're white. Uh, visit DallasCowboys.com slash 2021 playoffs for more details if you need more. It's really just wear white. Pretty simple. It's going to look – end zones are going to look like, you know, you know like little – I'm not red. worried. I'm not worried about this. No, I'm not there, worried. There will be red in the stadium, but yeah, the, it won't – It stand, won't be like last week. It with won't the, come with close to looking like that. It's going to stand out a lot more. Snap, yeah. It will – it's going to stand out because it's red. I think that's the big thing. It's just – it's the easiest color to notice of any. But Especially if you're white – if you've got a white out. Right? I, don't, yeah, right. I don't remember if I said this here or on something else, but like they played Green Bay in the playoffs – and that nobody said diddly about this. And Green Bay is just like San Francisco. Like, they've got fans in every building in the yeah, league. I yeah. just – playoffs are different. Yeah. It ain't going to be that big of a deal. We will see. It'll be interesting. And uh, I do I do think that – They're better on the road anyways. Cowboy, I mean, it's not like it really matters. The yeah. Cowboys are a better football team on the road – or they'll have a better record on the road I than they were home. I don't, but, I don't like the – which it won't happen, but like Matt Stafford had to go to a silent count in his own building yeah. last week. Yeah. You don't want that. But that's also the thing about AT&T Stadium. It's, and Jerry talked about this on the fan earlier this week. It's such a it's, – it's one of the largest stadiums from the standpoint of number of seats that it accommodates or number of people that it accommodates. And so by the nature of that, you're going to have more visiting fans yeah. that will be at the stadium than and, you typically see all around the league. So I think there's going to be – some 
Uh, I just don't think there'll be a ton of Cowboys fans who are willing to sell tickets for a playoff game. Yeah, and also I think you got to remember that game was obviously on the schedule. That's the first time yeah. the 49ers have ever played in SoFi. Uh, where the fans could come in, yeah. Um, so you know they didn't, they weren't allowed last year. So that one's probably been marked on calendars for a long time. Go like see the new stadium. We're gonna go yeah. see the stadium and yeah. go watch them play the Rams and all that. So that was probably a lot of that. All right, real go ahead, Amber. Can I ask a question? Sure. Um, I didn't ask Bucky because we were already finishing up. But I, when the la- one of the last things he said he mentioned was inexperience and how they might struggle with that with the younger players. But I'm wondering like. <sighs> How like how does that really change at a playoff game with guys? For example, he mentioned Micah. How would his quote unquote inexperience affect in a playoff game the first week? Because you you get into the playoffs and it's not like you instantly got ten times better as the opposing team. You know, so you, you know what I'm yeah, trying to figure out. Like, like what, how yeah, are would they going to be nervous? It's just to me, it's it's. How are they mentally? You know, I mean, how do they how do they handle the pressure? All this talk, and and now, especially with the with the historical significance, if that even matters. I mean, it's just you're just putting a lot of pressure in there. Are they focused on what they need to do? Can they block all that and still perform? Some players do it. Some players don't. And the idea, I mean, it's over. It's over if you lose. This, I mean, and that so mm-hmm. the stakes are higher. Mm-hmm. You're you're not only you're one loss away from eight months of whatever. And you're only three wins away from the Super Bowl, so I mean, that I mean, that way, and it, it it ratchets up each time you advance. You're like, if we win two more games, like we're Super Bowl champs. Like, I mean, that that's only human nature that that would yeah. get to you. I don't I don't worry about it, especially with Micah. Micah hasn't been phased by anything that's happened to him this entire time. I would be surprised if he's not up for that challenge but it is a mental challenge yeah and and a lot of that mental i think also goes to the fact of the intensity of the game i remember first time i just started working for the cowboys nick you might remember it was that that playoff game against minnesota Mm. and i was standing on the sideline watching the teams come out and you could just feel it it's a different feeling it's a different level of intensity and again once the whistle blows it's still a football game Mm. Uh, but for every round that intensity ratchets up because all week you got friends and family like, oh, it's the playoffs. Like it's it's just that, like Dave said, it is that mental of being able to get rid of the noise and the distractions and the thoughts of how big and the magnitude of the game and being able to settle in and play football. Whoa. So when you're experienced, you have a little bit more to rely on. Like, okay, this is still just yeah. a football game. When you're less experienced, it's like sometimes you can get caught up in that, and it can take you a while to settle down into the game and just play football. You know, Brett Favre had you know that that was a big problem for him. He was one of the best quarterbacks of all time, and and you know he was an MVP, and he would go in and to the Cowboy games, and it'd take him second quarter before he could settle down, before he realized that there was an actual crown. On the stadium, and you got to throw those out routes. He's throwing them in the stands because yeah. he's just so jacked up. So even some of the best players, it kind of gets to them. Well, and you'll see it. Watch it, every game of this magnitude. Whoever makes like the first few plays of the game, the first guy that makes a big hit or a nice catch, this it's going to be over the top. Like it, let, if Micah gets a tackle for loss on like the first series of the, I mean the flexing and the <laughs> scream. I mean it's just it's a different level of intensity. And Bucky's right. I mean getting through like the first quarter, once you get into the flow of the game and you're just kind of in the zone and not worrying about it, that's 
that's really important in these types of games. And to give you an indication, I've heard players talk about this in Super Bowls. It'll just tell you the magnitude. When the magnitude goes up, sometimes feeling like they're hyperventilating when the game's starting because they're so hyped up, they're so amped, there's so much juice flowing through them that it just it can get you and it can take you away a little bit and you're, you kind of have to settle back into playing football. So, yeah, I think when you talk about the playoffs, it, it is a an increased level of intensity and and it gets a little bit tougher mentally. I think the game's still going to be the game, though, and once they settle in, I think they're fine. I do think – I really do think a lot of the key guys on this team are well-suited for it, though. I agree. I mean, there's just a lot of guys on this team where I just don't think things get to them very easily. Yeah. I think I remember uh, we were in Carolina – and <laughs> that pregame, and, and we were both standing down there, and every fan's going crazy. The teams are like seething at each other, and it's just. And Nick turned to me, he said, "We're not winning this game." Nah. <laughs> that's just, that's a, where the white towel uh, theory started. Yeah, it was, it was like, like we're not nah. winning this game. When they introduced Stephen Davis, their running back, and he, it was like. And they had just beaten them like at Thanksgiving. Yeah. They had just beaten them, yeah. and it was a big win. And you're just it just like, felt different. It what felt year? What year? Oh, oh three. Oh three. Yeah. That was the one after oh, the game. The where, nine and seven. Yeah, where, they're not uh, losers Steve anymore. Smith, well, Steve Smith hit them with the. What did he say? He said something pretty pretty crazy uh, he, yeah, after he, the game. He, I couldn't even remember what he said, yeah. but he said something like we whipped the ass. Yeah. But it was it was yeah it was it was pretty clear that Steve Smith. No. Right. Yeah. Right. It doesn't sound like him. But that you could just you feel it like you go down on the sideline for a regular season game for all the regular season games, and then you go down for one for a postseason game. It is a very very different feeling. It is a very high level of intensity. I'm so ready for this game. Cannot wait to play. Yeah, I do not want to play. No, I don't want to. I feel like it brought us. Like let's play. Let's go play the game. That's a wrap. We got another show to do tomorrow. So we do. And when we come in tomorrow, our our goal will be to get these guys, these listeners, ready for this game. We'll have lots of thoughts about what we think is going to happen. Uh, what we think is going to happen, good and bad for the Cowboys. We'll do that tomorrow. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Helm, and Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!